Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Every once in a while, we get to hear from one of our emerging gen leaders around our community. And uh, today, I'm excited to sit down with someone who's been a real player in this world for the last couple of years. Welcome, Owen Jeffries. Owen, how are you doing? I'm well, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I know that you've done the podcast thing before. You were on a family ministry uh, production with Carrie, so you're a KG veteran at this. But uh, for those of us in this world, uh, just give us a bit of background on who you are and where you come from so we can get to know you a bit better. Sure, yeah, I'm uh, happy to. I was born and raised in Niagara. I lived in uh, Grimsby, then Vineland uh, my whole life. Um, so, yeah, uh, family, mom, dad, uh, Mennonite background. So I fit, I fit right in uh, for the Vineland area. Uh, grew up on Meadow Street next to the United Mennonite Church, so it doesn't get much more Meadow than that. Um, yeah, family's been going to Southridge, I think, now for 13, 14 years, um, and then I've been going the whole time with my family. Uh, yeah, I guess what I'm doing these days. I just finished school last year. I graduated with a BBA, and I'm working at a small finance firm in Toronto, commuting from Vineland a couple times a week, and it's going well. Bit of, uh, bit of working from home. Yeah, bit- yeah. You know, post-COVID, uh, post-COVID life, a couple days a week at home, a couple days uh, yeah. in the office. It works. Now, your family, you said you've been at Southridge for some time. Your family was originally part of the Gateway uh, adoption. That's right. And then uh, when we launched the Vineland location, because you guys lived out there, that seemed like a natural fit. And so you've really been part of that Vineland location since since our adoption of it a, couple, couple, a bunch of years ago. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We first were at the North End location um, in uh, Governor Simcoe, and then after a couple of years, we moved to Vineland when that opened. So been there as long as it's been around with Southridge. Okay. Um, you know, thinking about that, it, you know, it was kind of an adopted church sort of dynamic. How old were you? Can you remember any of that Goodness. back then? I think I was 10, 10 or 11, I think grade, fourth grade. You know, things go, things pass in grades, not ages, I think, when you're in elementary school but uh yeah it was a bit disconcerting to have to hear that kind of your church is kind of shopping around i guess that's a bad expression for it but you know you heard about pastor you know our pastor had a meeting with this church oh okay so maybe we're going to that church and it was a bit um i felt kind of unstable as a kid to, to know that we were going to change soon and i liked my church it was small it was like a very insular family we didn't have a lot of um a lot of outreach and a lot of kind of welcome to the community. I, not because we couldn't, I think because we were based out of a high school, you know, one morning a week, we didn't have the same institutions that could kind of reach out to the community, but it was very different feel from Southridge. And as a kid, I think it was very uh, difficult to see that change. So suddenly when I moved to Southridge, um, which I've grown to love, but was difficult at the beginning hmm. for hmm. sure. Yeah. We had a consultant back then tell us that churches don't get adopted. People do. Yeah. And that's a great example. You've got this 10 year old kid and they're paying attention to all of this and they have their own emotions and and processing to do in order, first of all, to understand it, let alone to to actually be able to embrace it for themselves. So that's that's an interesting perspective Um, as you've kind of grown up in it. 
from that time, it feels like you've been able to embrace and, and, and track with what Southridge is about. How has that happened for you? What was it as a younger person that enabled you to sort of be into Southridge, if, mm-hmm. if that's a reasonable term? Yeah, you know, I say it now and I'll say it again through this this conversation, I think, but it's always been people pulling me in to, to kind of to do any volunteering or any anything that I do in Southridge, even even, you know, joining a youth group in high school was kind of friends saying, Oh, and you should really do this. I've never been a very proactive, I think, to my to my shame, member of Southridge, but uh I guess to start volunteering, I think one of our Sunday school leaders at Governor Simcoe back when we were there. Um, kind of said, oh, and you should do AV for, for MS now that you've graduated. And I was thinking in sixth grade, and I said, okay. And just kind of step by step, I guess God uses people to pull me into these different roles at Southridge that I never would have considered myself, but people have just, uh, I've been drawn in. So that's been a big blessing um, to be involved in the community because others have pulled me in. I, I didn't have to grasp, I think, for roles or for community or for affection because it seemed that people were just so ready to give. Uh, and that's what I love about Southridge in that mm-hmm. way. At this point now, uh, as a university grad, uh, how are you connecting relationally these days? Or how have you been able to kind of uh, experience Southridge as your home, not just kind of the home of your parents or your 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 previously existing church? Right. Yeah. So I think during high school, as it tends to happen, I think in high school these days, you know, I kind of hopped around to a bunch of different youth groups. You know, we're in Niagara. There's a lot of strong, a lot of strong churches out there with these really, really good engaging programs for, for youth. So um, I kind of I, I didn't really consider it, but I I definitely had my fair share of, of seeing what other churches were doing compared to Southridge. And the opportunity to kind of, I guess, jump ship was there if I felt like it, Southridge wasn't kind of where I, I was meant to be. But I stuck around uh, through university. Uh, and then when I uh, I got back from school, I studied abroad for, for a couple of years. And when I got back last year, um, I really was surprised at how much Southridge felt like home. You know, my uh, not just the people, but just our practices and our, our traditions and even the stuff we were doing new. I was like, oh, yeah, this is Southridge. That was a good decision. And uh, yeah, it really tracked with me. So that was that moment, I think, that I when I got back from school and back into Southridge after a long absence that I felt, OK, this is where I was meant to be. Uh, it's not just that my family grew up here. It's not just that I've been going here. It's that, you know, this is where I track. So uh, that's where uh, that happened for me last year, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, it helped that, you know, I have my youth group here and I have a lot of friends from youth from high school who still go to Southridge and that was uh, good to see them again. But uh, yeah, Southridge's environment is my home and I uh, look forward to uh, staying there for the far future. With... Uh with some connectivity across the emerging gen group now these days, what would you say, and I appreciate your comment that you have been exposed to other churches, not just abroad, but even locally across Niagara, what would you say that uniquely kind of works, especially for emerging gen people around Southridge? What what is it about Southridge that an emerging gen person would track with? Right. Uh, I think the number one thing that I track with and that we have discussed as kind of a group of youth at, at the churches, just Southridge's community um, activism. You know, we have community engagement, our three anchor causes, for example, in each of our three locations. That is, you know, just there's nothing quite like it uh, in local churches or even in, in, in churches further further abroad. It's um, something that's very inspiring and that gives students, especially who are kind of away from home. You know, we have Brock University just up the hill. 
um, from our Glenridge location uh, gives an opportunity to really engage the community in ways that are unconventional and uh, a lot of times just more fulfilling than uh, you know you would normally engage the community as a student. So I think the activism and uh, Selvager's community engagement are, are, are the things that really draw it really draws and holds uh, the youth to Southridge hmm. yeah um, certainly we've heard that before that a, a faith that you can see mm-hmm. uh, a faith that uh, you know is real that that evidences itself is is definitely something that that the emerging gen tracks with more than just what we refer to as propositional we want to just talk about faith I find the emerging gen wants to get their hands dirty and be active and, and engaged in it, which is which is very encouraging. Um, I want to switch gears uh, to a little more of a personal uh, focus sure. for a few minutes and just talk about your, your own faith journey. Um, normally when I want to talk with an emerging gen, I'll, I'll ask them kind of where they were at when they started with Southridge. Of course, you were 10, so mm-hmm. I don't know if you can remember that far back, but to, to talk about kind of where your faith was at the, at the time of becoming part of our community and, and how it's evolved and, and developed since then. Sure, yeah. I think um, my relationship with, with, with Jesus and kind of my personal faith is, has got a lot more uh, intimate over the years, um, just more personal. You know, God, I think, I think, and no fault of, of Gateway and my, my Sunday school upbringing, but uh, I really perceive God as this, as kind of the boss. You know, you do the rules, you know, you follow the, you do the, do the instruction, do the homework and, uh, you know, kind of cause and effect. Um, you give and take, you know, you earn, earn God's love a little bit like that. And that lasted for a long time. Like I was a very, very kind of self-righteous, religious um, student um, who uh, I guess I kind of, I really chose my friends very carefully based on their impact of my on, on my on my spiritual needs, and which was, I guess, in, in one sense, is good, but it also left me quite isolated in, in this bubble that I, I really later in life I can realize really constrained me and uh, didn't allow me to see God working uh, in in others' lives as I as I should have. So I think since really since high school, I think when I kind of a bit broadened my my horizon. Uh, my faith was uh, has been much more personal. You know, God's not the boss; He's a friend. You know, He's a He's a father, um, and uh, that tracks me a lot better than than earlier. Um, I had a chance to I mentioned studying abroad, uh, experience a church in France where I lived for a couple of years, and that was a totally different, uh, just different experience. They just everything's different, language is different, worship is different, traditions are different, and and just the way they they love is um, the same, but just in different ways. And that was an amazing experience that allowed me to really see God working uh, in not just within a church environment, but outside a church environment, which um, I've been in church my whole life. So I never got the the chance to uh, kind of really see God working outside the church. And and that was incredible um, to see that uh, God active, so active, even when people, you know, in their lives weren't looking for, for God. He's mm-hmm. just active. Yeah. So, yeah. Your, your description is kind of simple, but kind of profound. I hope people, even the, the leaders who track with us that are listening, can, can think about that shift from viewing God as a boss to God as a parent or even a friend. Um, I, I think a lot of us still need to make that shift or need to make degrees of that shift, uh, especially those of us who are more firstborn and rule followers. <laughs> that That's probably similar in, in both of our backgrounds. Yeah. But uh, in that shift, Owen, what would you say most contributed 
to helping you get that about Jesus, about his love for you, his invitation to you, his mm. desire to be in relationship and not just have you, you know, check the boxes on a sheet of rules, but relate to him, you know, as a, a, a parent, as a friend, how, what, what, what triggered that aha or, or what, what's nurtured that shift in you? Yeah. I think, like I said earlier, people just kept pulling me into the church and pulling me into these different roles. Um, it's just been people, God's been kind of throwing at me um, to just kind of, you know, reel me in to, to, to pull me into his love. Um, I had a couple, a couple of really good teachers in elementary school who uh, really just went out of their way to foster my faith, nurture my faith, uh, even though because they recognized, I think, that you know, maybe I was a little bit struggling in my faith in my relationship with with god and and that i was you know i was curious and serious about about improving that and they really went out of their way to um you know give me reading materials for example to you know uh, kind of aside from just being these amazing teachers every day they also you know on a more religious aspect kind of helped me foster my christianity and my beliefs um to my to my to, to uh the best that i could do and you know the fact that someone god would put someone in my life kind of as a bit of a roadblock to say, stop, you know, here's what you're doing. Maybe you could do this better in a very secular environment. That's a public school, not a Christian school, public school. And have someone kind of put their own sort of career on the line to say, Hey, Owen, you know, I think you should, uh, you know, God's put me here to do this for you. That was incredible. And that was a big eye opener for me that God could use people not in the church to really further my faith. Um, I also have people within church, you know, a couple of Sunday school teachers, um, who have really, really, really impacted me in that way and strengthened my faith. Um, just, again, not through any effort of my own to pursue these things. People there to say, oh, and, you know, you are, uh, you have um, great, God wants to get to know you. You know, you should, you should do this, 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 this. I'm here for you. I'll pray with you to help you get to know God. And, uh, yeah, that's been the story of my life over and over and over. Whenever I, even when I think I'm on a good path, you know, in relationship, someone says, okay, you know, God put me here to be with you and to steer you. And uh, that's been kind of, yeah, as I mentioned, the, the story of my life. Hmm. What would you say are some of the sort of leading edge things that you're learning these days in that God's not your boss anymore mm. for the most part? You know, Jesus is your parent, leader, friend. Uh, but what, what, are you, what are you learning about or what's God teaching you? How are you being stretched, grown, challenged? What are you reading? That kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, I think I am reading. Um, uh, I, I guess yeah, I read a lot of books. I'm a big reader. Um, a couple, of, so some materials you know that are kind of more of a, on, on the subject of religion and Christianity specifically. And I really try to even read some materials um, by uh, atheists just to see you know what's what's out there and what uh, you know challenge your faith in that way. You know, reading is kind of my. That's what kind of my language. I, I understand the best through that. I, I read a great book a while ago called Who Made God by a Nobel Prize winning physicist. I forget his name exactly, but it was an amazing, amazing kind of just extrapolation on um, just how, 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 how much our faith matters. And, you know, we can't, it's hard to prove anything and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be proving anything. And I think that for, for me and my own faith, that's where sometimes I need to look for evidence um, just to have that the understanding of importance of faith um, is uh, was eye-opening in that way. So reading some things, um, I, I think I have a lot more friends outside the church than I once did. And uh, I think trying to be of a light in their lives, um, just 
uh, makes all the difference. And people, I hope people can recognize that, you know, I'm a Christian, not because I tell them I'm a Christian and because I spit verses at them every couple seconds, but because I am, uh, you know, living a life of love or trying to, at least that's the goal anyway. It's amazing how, uh, and I, I've heard this comment from other emerging gen, how, how much apologetics, like material about the validity of the Christian mm -hmm. faith or the validity of spirituality differentiated from other spirituality, how much apologetics is a, a, a kind of a passion or a, a significant contributor combined with the articulation of your faith to others. Like it, yeah. it, in that formative stage of your life, it does help you really put the pieces together, both the input and the, and the output of those two, of those two pieces. That's, that's not surprising uh, because I hear that uh, among a lot of emerging gen. I guess to that end, Owen, I'm curious because you, you've been a part of a few of our emerging gen investments these past couple months. Mm -hmm. um, talk about some of what's been happening. We had uh, some sessions in the summer and then we had kind of a short-term group in the fall. How's, how's that all been going? Yeah, I think um, the sessions in the fall were great. I think, you know, we have a uh, emerging gen uh, is just a broad, top list of broad, basket to put people in because we're talking people i think from after high school from 18 to 30 i think that's the age so it's just people are at different stages in their lives some people have four kids others are living with their parents like i am right now so it's just uh very different um but yeah i think the church's role in this way is to really uh kickstart uh, and kickstart conversation kickstart uh, engagement among the emerging gen and have them really kind of lead their own um yeah, just uh, have their own group, uh, have their own, have their own community within the church, not isolated, separated, but just, uh, just to be friends uh, in, in the church. And I think that's really hard to do because friendship's not institutional. It doesn't come top down, you know, it just kind of happens. And a church is almost like you're putting these people together, random people and say, okay, now you have to be friends. Now you're brothers and sisters. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't work. And it does work, but it shouldn't work. So I think Southridge is sort of, uh, the goal for this last this year and the next couple of years, and I think its goal has always been to help foster these friendships in these groups and uh, try to kind of dig out these these leaders that could be the main drivers of these uh, of these of these friendships within Southridge. It's a very uh, a very astute observation that you can't form community from the top down. You, you can't. Can, you can foster it. Uh, you can facilitate it, but at the end of the day. You don't have the, the magic ingredient to get people to just connect at a heart level with other people. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's been nice creating these environments and watching some of the emerging gen step up. Um, I guess from a faith perspective or mm -hmm. from, a, from a, uh, you know, attitudes on the church, um, from your perspective, what, what, does, what, what do emerging gen people, or at least the emerging gen around Southridge, what, what do they want to see more of in a community like ours? And what do they want to see less of? What, what, you know, what I'm getting at is what is the future of the church going to look like sure. with this generation because of where their passions lean? So talk about that kind of a more of less of. Sure. Yeah. I think that, um, and I can't speak for all emerging gen, of course, but I think from my perspective and many of those I speak with, uh, we want to see authenticity. You know, we just can't, even for everything from the church, from our friends, from our favorite brands, you know, we need to see authenticity 
you know, if you say one thing and do another, you know, you know, you, it happens. We don't, we'll cancel you. Like it's, that's where cancel culture comes from. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's live in the church and everywhere. So, and I hate to get political about like that, but uh, and to use that term, cause I think it's a bit uh, vague and overused and it has definitely a buzzword, but yeah, like, you know, we, um, if we don't like a church, we're not afraid to go across the street. Like that's the difference between, I think our generation and, and my parents or parents' parents, perhaps, you know, who, who would not have um, changed a church on their own volition because of their loyalty to a church. You know, our loyalty for better or worse is, is less is uh, we're, we're somewhat probably less forgiving of, of mistakes and of errors of judgment and of um, kind of breaches of doctrine, just because there are options and, and we're, I guess, confident to explore different options to, to worship, to find spiritual needs within the church and outside the church. So I think authenticity is something we're looking for, and we can't stand we can't stand hypocrisy, perhaps more than other previous generations. Our tolerance is quite low. Is that the same answer to what what the emerging gen would want to see less of? They want to see more authenticity, I think so. less hypocrisy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I can't say you know obviously it's there's there's different levels like you know it's not as if. Uh, it could be a, a big scandal that rocks the church, you know, as happens, or just a gradual kind of uh, decline in, 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 in the, the church's perceived loyalty to its values, um, uh, you know, that drive away the, gen, the, the emerging gen. But uh, yeah, I think that it's really hard to get Gen Z young people in the doors and keep, have them stay there uh, than it's ever been, as I'm sure you've experienced. Well, and, and uh, I guess my, my question is, when you interact with emerging gen and, and some of your peers, what, what do you see as the greatest kind of uniqueness or difference that they bring to the life of a church family? I mean, you've had the, the, the perspective, you just alluded to it, you've had the perspective of doing church with parents and grandparents and previous generations. So you can see some of the subtleties or even some of the, 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 the nuances between how different generations uh, just view faith. Yeah. When you see this emerging gen, what is the uh, kind of the big passion or the big contribution that you see them bringing to include in the life of the faith community? Right. Um, I think that, um, I think that as, as I sort of touched on earlier, um, there's just, uh, we are not uniquely placed, you know, obviously other generations I think have, uh, previous generations have had their dose, fair share of activism and uh, engagement in the community. But I think where we're more, perhaps because we are maybe starting families later um, and, you know, uh, putting more value by, 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 by our friends in certain ways, but uh, we're very open to social engagement outside of the family. Um, so, whereas, you know, perhaps my, my, my parents' number one concern was to raise their kids and, and, and part of their family, you know, with, with, with me, you know, it's more, okay, here, how am I going to give back to the world? How am I going to find that sort of fill my spiritual needs? You know, it's by giving back to the wider community, whether that's through, you know, initiatives like Southridge uh, that we do, like anchor causes or through um, volunteering in other ways or, you know, getting involved in our friends' lives and being just there for them. I think that we kind of uniquely see causes that are somewhat remote to us, uh, you know, a distant war, um, you know, a distant uh, hunger in the community that's beyond our own immediate bubble. We see that and we feel a more of a need to solve those problems rather than just the problems that exist but are kind of immediately near us. 
So if we can capture that, if 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 yeah, if um, if a church can capture, can can demonstrate that yes, we're working to solve problems, not just our problems, but other problems. I think that is where you'll find the emerging gen waiting to to, to pounce in on uh, yeah, what you have to say, what you have to do. Yeah, it's interesting the the whether it's growing up native to the internet and having a broader worldview or like you said, you, you, emerging gen, maybe getting married later in life, not, not right away when they kind of graduate high school or, or university, but they do have a, a bit more of an intuitive faith and worldview beyond themselves. Yeah. They, they have a, a, a bit more intuitive faith and worldview beyond themselves. And for us to activate that, especially through our anchor causes has been really, uh, really fantastic, but it applies, like you said, to, to so many other things. I guess as we look at some of the, the experiments and initiatives that we've we've uh, done, even as a leader's village this past summer, we had some mentoring sessions. And then this fall, we did a short-term group on uh, how to read and understand the, the, the Bible. Um, what would you say in the context of at least our church and our experience, what, is, what would you say has been challenging about trying to gather and engage and activate this emerging generation of followers and and ultimately leaders. What makes it hard about this generation to to, to activate them in the church? I think um, it really is. I think it's hard to find people who want to be leaders in the church these days. I think people are very very open to being involved, to being marginally involved. I think you know have, have it supplement other things in their lives. Um, but to find real leaders who want to kind of give the majority of their life to fostering and building community in a church, I think perhaps because the church is not the the the, the cornerstone of society as perhaps it was quite a ways back, it's just changed. Um, I think that our existing leaders uh, have to work extra hard and have to search really really hard for those new leaders um, to bring them up to ensure kind of a smooth generational transfer among leadership in a church. Um, so I think it is once you, and I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you can't build a, you can't build a family, you can't build a friend's friend group from top down, you know, it is about fostering those leaders in a church and having them kind of foster community uh, kind of in, in that church very organically. You know, you have to, um, I'm from trying to say here, but uh yeah, community has to be built organically and uh, finding those leaders these days, people who want to go above and beyond, uh, not for more pay or for more, you know, prestige, but just because they love it. And that's especially hard these days. We don't have this huge pool of candidates willing to step in. Yeah, the, just the fact that it's not as automatic is a, is a mm. good observation. Like, as you can look at generations before you, your grandparents' church was an assumption. Yeah, it's a prerequisite. I mean, yeah, you're, you are Christian. You are going to get involved in the church. And it's a question is how much are you going to get involved and how much will they let me get involved? Whereas right. this day, it's more, right. please, you know, <laughs> please come to youth group this week. Yeah, yeah. It's a very different starting point these days. So, um, well, that's great. Uh, I guess as a final shot here, um, every time we have an emerging gen person uh, in conversation on the podcast, I just want to get their their take and actually leverage your, your voice on some stuff. So you mentioned already being familiar uh, and involved in our anchor causes, especially in Vineland. Um, you know, you watch us trying to foster friendship that makes a difference with the marginalized. You've watched us 
try to address issues of racism, racial injustice. You've watched us try to move the needle on female leadership empowerment, you know, a lot of these kind of social issues. How are we doing at, at that? And you know, where would you like to see us focus and or improve for the future? Yeah, so I just, well, I want to comment at first. I think that it's, it's kind of funny that we have to say you know, that uh, we're, we are you know, helping uh, the marginalized in society because I think Christians for hundreds of years were the marginalized. We were the, the outcasts. And I think that's how Jesus lived. And sort of it was intended for us not to be this, you know, world conquering um, kind of Christian empire that uh, sort of, I guess, that, 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 that we've become. But yeah, I mean, we're here in the position now and we, when we, we can definitely, um, you know, we are, uh, we do have communities that aren't, part of our larger community, uh, especially, you know, I, I mentioned in, in Vineland, uh, we have our, uh, we work with our um, Caribbean friends uh, with various programs uh, and they have, uh, yeah, just engaging with them a little bit. I can't pretend to know everything they organize. I'm not super involved with that aspect of our, of our location, but yeah, just working with them and discovering this whole new vibrant community in our community that's never really been tapped before, you know, a community that, that comes up from the Caribbean for most of the year, more of the year than they're and they're back home with their families and live here and work here and kind of really prop up and support our, our economy and, and all of our jobs. And uh, they've never been tapped before. They've just been kind of on their own on their farms. And it's amazing to once we just, once we realize, you know, canvassed the community and said, what do we need? And our farmers were like, we need a community for these guys. You know, once that happened, it's just made all of our lives so much richer. And I have lots of friends in Vineland who've down, been to visit particular friends in the Caribbean at their homes. And it's just fostered a great kind of Trans, trans Caribbean, transatlantic uh, community here at Southridge. Um, that's been great. So, huge supporter of that in Vineland. I can't say I'm as involved with their anchor causes in Welland or St. Catharines, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's great that the the youth and myself as well have opportunities to get involved in this stuff. Uh, really great that we don't have to look so far abroad and just can in our backyard. We can easily just hop on over and, and help them. We've been paying a lot of attention recently as a local church to this concept we call love beyond belief. Mm -hmm. uh, in your generation, as an emerging gen of people, how does that resonate? Does it make sense of what faith and community ought to be about? Uh, react to that a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, and I guess I think we're just internet and travel and every this is a different lifestyle than previous generations has exposed us to much more of the world and we're i think much more i don't want to say tolerant because that implies that we don't like things that are different but we're very open and accepting of things that are different from what we know here um, cultures foods music languages uh, religions so i think love beyond belief uh, to me says that we don't really care about your beliefs as long as you're not harming harming uh you know you know us or other people you know we just want to love you and give you god's love and uh yeah that's very relevant to i think how we think and feel and i wish more people really realize the significance behind that look beyond belief what that means because uh, it can sound it sometimes it can sound just vague and like another i don't know it, it can sound vague but the meaning is there and it's uh it's quite powerful when you practice it in a church as Southridge is, is trying to do. Hmm. Uh, as we wrap up here, uh, I'm just thinking any kind of free shot, final comment, thought, 
challenges either to our uh, local church members or other leaders that are listening when it comes to this emerging gens perspective on faith and the church and its future. I know you don't represent every emerging gen, but you represent yourself and you represent some that uh, you're quite close to these days. So uh, any any parting comments? Parting comments. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I guess to wrap up, we're not, you know, people kind of get frustrated, I think sometimes at the uh, emerging gen, at the young people. And I understand that because we're not an easy bunch to please. Um, I just read I, I just read a book about the 1968 riots in Chicago, civil rights riots, and it's uh, crazy how kind of similar but very extreme it was, and the similarities to our generation. You know, very much canceling things we don't agree with, uh, very much doing what we want to do and not respecting uh, authority. And I think that some parts of our younger society, you know, that reflects very well these days. Uh, but um, yeah, I think if you are very patient with us, uh, if you give us an ear. And you uh, really show that you know it's all actions and not just bluster. I think then we'll follow uh, the church, the end of the earth. It just there needs to be the action there. There needs to be the authenticity there, and there needs to be also you know encouragement and support there for us when we falter to prop ourselves up, pick ourselves up, and uh, carry on. Amazing. Well, thanks for being here today. I know you've been a huge player over the last, especially a number of years, in Vineland in our anchor cause, especially in our kids' ministry on, on uh, Sundays. And so to, to be such an active participant at such a young age, we certainly appreciate. You were a, a fixture in our our Sunday morning teaching series last summer and did a great job with that. So we just really appreciate your your who you're becoming in our community and the chance to sit down and just hear your heart today. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for be the mic, Jeff. I'll uh, talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Keep, uh, yeah, keep, keep tracking and uh, keep listening to what, what you described uh, off the record as one of your favorite podcasts. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. That wasn't bluff. That was, that was true. Uh, that's great. And for everyone else who's tracking with us, thanks for being here again today. We'll see you in about seven days' time uh, as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Take care.